Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here coming to you live from upstairs studio at my intergalactic headquarters. On the phone with me is Heather Shoemaker. How are you doing, Heather? Are you at your intergalactic headquarters? I am, yes, definitely. <laughs> the only headquarters I know of. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. I, I, I wish we were orbiting, but uh, we'll stay here on Earth, I guess, for now. Hey, I tossed this out to you a while ago as an idea. Um, the idea is sleep. And I think we can, there's so much, oh, it makes me tired just thinking about it. No, I, I, I think we, we've, there's, what's the phrase I like? Sleep hygiene is like a buzzword I've been reading about a lot. And, and you know, we as adults aren't sleeping well or enough a lot of times. And young children tend to not get the sleep that they need. And it really does have a huge impact on relationships and interactions and all those kind of things. So I thought we could toss that around yeah. for a while. Well, you know, sleep is one of those topics nobody talks about except by yawning and saying, <laughs> um, but sleep is, it's finally beginning to get a little glimmer of, of attention by people, but often people are looking for a magic bullet, you know, mm-hmm. how can I get my child to um, listen to me or behave the way I want to, or how can I get more energy, or how can their school grades go up, or how, just want a solution to um you know, just daily problems. And the solution, it's magical and simple, and it's sleep. (laughs) Sleep is so unsexy as far as, you know, people want something more magical. Just drink this happy little potion, and you'll be all set, and all your problems will go away. But sleep takes time. Yeah. And that's why people don't want to do it because it takes too much time away from, from the rest of life. But, well, you got to um, turn off the screen and put down your phone and all that kind of stuff to do it, too. And, we, I mean, that's not fun. Right. And, and somehow it doesn't seem complicated enough. You know, how could sleep be the answer to everything? Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, it is possible to sleep too much, but very few people have that problem in this country. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's focus on, on not sleeping enough. Yeah, and um, I, I was so if you have a young child, for example, a lot of people will say to me, "Oh, my child doesn't nap anymore," uh-huh. and, and they'll say it, you know, when the child is one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or two, or or even four. And um, there are different sleep needs for different humans, that's for sure. And even you know, people will notice differences between children in the same family. That child number two has different sleep needs than, than another one. But a lot of the times, it's um, when we see the child running around with super wired energy in the evening, that's a sign of, I am overloaded, I am overstimulated, I must run because I'm on um, sort of backup circuitry right now. I really wish I could be asleep. It doesn't look like that. It looks like they're yelling their heads off and running around in circles. But that's a sign of, I really need sleep. And so I'm going into overdrive because 
that's the only survival thing I can do if I'm not allowed to sleep. And I, I think parents, they, 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 they look at napping being over as, a, as an accomplishment, as my, my child's growing up. And, and I think they look at it as a way to, to not have a, a battle with their child anymore. Uh, my child needs to sleep, but it's a battle sometimes to get them to sleep, and so we're just going to be done with naps. Um, right. And another thing, frankly, as an adult... Nap time um, can get in the way of other schedules. You know, if you have older kids or if you have things you want to go do and maybe there's a kitty performance going on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you want to go see it with your kids. But, you know, there's, there's without having a nap in the nap schedule, it can be liberating because you don't have to be home and be quiet for a certain amount of time. But um, parenthood is not really all about liberation, <laughs> <laughs> You're signing up for a different kind of job here. No, no it doesn't. That's that, that's not one of the uh, selling points in the uh, the brochure. The amount of free time and and uh, carefree carefreeness that you're going to have when uh, when, yeah. when the baby shows up. I remember up. when I was expecting my first child. We we went to a um, you know a childbirth training class and. Um, one of the things, it was mostly about birth itself, but one of the things that the teacher did was have everybody list all the things they do in their free time. And then she said, okay, you won't have any free time once your child is born. Oh, that's going away. You're going to have to find out. It's going to be filled with the child's needs. And I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. But, um, of course, you find out that even though you're doing things that you think are things you want to do in your free time, they're almost always child-centered, like, Oh, I really want to go out to the store right now and get new shoes. They're not for me. Yeah, <laughs> they're for the kid whose feet are growing. Right, darn kids. Yeah, and then you never sleep. You don't get to do. You don't have free time, and you don't have sleep. And 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 that gets to be a a tough situation when you, as the parent, are exhausted, and the child isn't sleeping either. And you talk. We talk so much about relationships and everything. Well, that kind of puts a a a, a couple stress points on on the relationships. Yeah, it's a lot easier to lose your temper when you don't have enough sleep, on all sides. Yeah, <laughs> and to say things that you wish you hadn't, and do things the way that if you had had your proper mind and wits about you, the sense of calmness usually deserts us when we don't have enough sleep. <laughs> and we need to, kids need us to be calm in the face of their passions. And they're going to have some big passions and big feelings, even if they are well-rested. Yeah. So um, it's going to be probably shorter and, and uh, less, you know, not take up as much time to sort through the problem if they're well-rested, but they're still going to have big feelings that need us to stay calm in the eye of the storm. For, for, so, yes, oh, both adults need sleep and kids need sleep. And, and I think we don't pay attention to how much. Uh, just as a service to our listeners, I pulled up the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, sleep recommendation guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought I'd toss those out there. Um, four months to 12 months should be sleeping. You got a guess? Um, I would say about, well, it's way more than half. 12 to 16 hours. 16 hours. 12 to 16 in a 24-hour period. 
one yeah. to two year olds, it's 11 to 14 hours per 24 hour period. Uh, three to five year olds, it's 10 to 13. Six to 12 year olds. That seems low. Well, yeah, yeah, I was, I was thinking that. I, I prefer the guidelines to the National Sleep Foundation. Oh, yeah? Um, because I think the, the, the pediatrics, they're usually, I mean, they're not r- bad guidelines, but they're not, they're, they're a little more, I think, flexible with how people actually live than what the body actually needs. And the National Sleep Foundation is focused just on sleep. They don't have as many politics involved. Oh, yeah. In so newborns for them is 14 to 17. For infants, yeah. for uh, 4 to 11 months, it's 12 to 15. Preschoolers, 3 to 5-year-olds, for them it's still the 10 to 13. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, even I mean, for, even for, for us old people, um, that, that 7 to 9... Uh, is, yeah. is, is something a lot of people don't get. I, I tend to function best when I'm right around six and a half to seven and a half in, in that area. And, uh, I mean, I, I very rarely have an alarm set or anything, so I just sleep until I'm done sleeping, and that's what it tends to be. But um, right. Now, I'm glad you mentioned alarm clocks because I think an alarm clock is a very good test, and so is the car. And here's the, the two reasons why. If you have a child who will sleep until she wakes up without being woken or without having an alarm clock, um, that's usually a good indicator. If, if she can get up, be ready for school, or be ready for the day without an alarm clock, without someone waking her at a, at a sort of an early-ish hour, mm-hmm. an early morning hour, means that you put her to bed early enough, then that's a, a good test of that she's had enough sleep. Um, but another one is, does that same child fall asleep in the car when you're driving somewhere? Because if a child falls asleep in the car, unless it's exactly nap time, mm-hmm. or unless it's an infant who infants sleep a lot. <laughs> so don't worry about yeah. it. If you have an infant who's falling asleep in the car, that's, that's fine. That's their job. If you have a child who's falling asleep in the car, that means that they are overtired and they're taking this moment to grab it. Uh-huh. and to fall asleep. So that's actually a sign that your child is sleep-deprived if she falls asleep in the car. If you as the driver it's are falling asleep too. in the car, uh, well, that's probably a sign that maybe you need to pull over too. Um, so how do we get a healthier relationship with our sleep and the sleep of the little people we're, we're responsible for? Well, I think number one is as we've been talking about recognizing how critical sleep is, one, how much you need, and two, all the wonderful things sleep does. So let's just get into, you always need more sleep than you think, mm-hmm. especially for the kids. And, um, and it does more amazing things than you, you think it can ever do. So it, it's a huge part of memory and learning and focus, all those sorts of things. It, sleep helps us process memories. If you're worried about your kid not learning things in school or falling behind or all those sorts of concerns Mm -hmm. adults carry about with them, then put them to bed earlier because being able to sleep helps encode all those memories, helps the learning happen. If your child is having trouble in math, make them go to bed earlier. Don't make them do the math homework. It's actually sleep helps much more than than doing, doing the homework. So sleep, sleep, sleep um, is really, they're going to be refreshed and their brain will be most receptive to new information in the morning and their memory will have codified 
the things that they learned the previous day. But they can't do that properly if they don't get enough sleep. And and like you say, that it's a, it's a real simple thing, but it's not sexy, so we, we 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 tend not to pay attention to it. And I mean, there's research out there that 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 about like high school start time, and I think we've touched on this before, that if if we started high school like an hour later, test scores would go up and and traffic accidents would go down. Right. Because yeah, there's a lot of things that that we're lear- well, some of them we've learned new for a while about time of day as well as length of sleep. Yeah. So, and it changes, um, it, it, it changes over the course of a child's development of what time of day their brain is most receptive to sleep. Um, the book I like most about sleep, and I'm going to fudge the name because I didn't, I didn't do my homework here. Um, it's, it's, I think it's, oh, I'm going to have to follow up with that. It's got a W. <laughs> Last name Weisberg or Weinberg or something, and it's um, it goes through all the types of sleep for the different ages and times of day. So if you say my child doesn't nap, but um, there's a window of time for your age child that they should be receptive to napping. Maybe you're trying to have them nap at a time of day when their brain is too lively. Mm -hmm. So universally, no matter where your child lives in the world. There's certain times where the human brain is very receptive to sleep and certain times when it's programmed to be awake. So look at the age, the, the windows of, of nap receptivity and find out when your child should be trying to nap. And if you're trying at the wrong time, then adjust so that it's, that it's the most successful. And if the child really can't sleep during that receptive window, then just have them lie still for a while, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, and if they can't fall asleep, let them get up after that time, be awake, and try again at the next point when their brain is receptive to sleep. That sounds pretty practical. Yeah, don't force it when it's not the right moment. See, I can't, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I can't find the book because I'm always lending it out. To you. <laughs> but I will follow up with you. That's the way of good books. They're never at your fingertips. They're never, right? they're never where you need them to be. Um, so... I think in early learning settings that we we do create this this struggle around sleep that everybody needs to go to sleep at the same time and it's pretty much that you know within half an hour after we finished with lunch it's rest time and I mean you gotta I mean just logistically in a lot of programs that's that happens so people can get breaks and and so paperwork can get done and and but the thing is like that's also based on on good sleep patterns because that that period of time about one o'clock. Uh-huh. I remember on Sesame Street, Ernie and Bert used to sing the nap song. You know, it's time for a nap now, and it's all it's one o'clock time for my nap. That one o'clock time period is one of the times in early childhood that the brain is very receptive to sleep. So it does make sense. Yeah, and, and well, and in in life, there's a, a a book I just finished up this spring by uh, by Daniel Pink. It's called When, and it's about the the timing of things. But he gets into uh, to sleep a lot there too. And and there there is this kind of rhythm where we're high energy in the morning, and then early afternoon we go into this low energy mood mode, and then it pops up uh, uh, later in the day to that high energy again. And that's just kind of kind of a human thing. Now, if you're a a 
I mean, there are, that it varies. It uh, deviates by 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 people. I mean, there are there are nighttime people, and and they have that that kind of same rhythm, but at a, it, it's it's at a different time, different timing in the day. So it is kind of a neat thing. But yeah, the kids are the kids are ready to to go down, but then the staff are ready to pass out too. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 so it's it, it, it there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of struggles during that time of day in centers, I think, because staff are exhausted then and kids are exhausted then, except for the ones that aren't. And uh, there can be a lot of uh, a lot of struggle there. Well, there can also be you know, a lot of children. Children have fears and sometimes falling asleep in a place that's not home can um, bring fears or sometimes falling asleep at home can bring fears, you uh-huh. know, nightmares or stories they heard that day that that are um keeping them awake and worrying them. So sometimes talking about what scares us during the day when kids are awake can help them um, process those fears, get them out of their system, and and be ready for sleep. Um, I know that my youngest child keeps coming home and then he'll say, I won't be able to sleep tonight because the teacher read a story about a witch today at school. <laughs> you know, I mean, he takes, it depends on the kid, but he takes these things very seriously. Uh-huh. And unless we get that fear out of his body, then we'll be up with all kinds of nightmares yeah. all night long. So um, that can be something that really, it's that moment when you're kind of drifting into that other world of sleep that, that fears can really um, prevent kids. So make sure that you're in touch with the kids' feelings. Make sure that if they say, stop, I don't want to see that picture in that book or that book's too scary for me, you know, trust their judgment and um, don't say, come on, you're a big boy, you're a big girl, this is just a story because um, they are the judge of whether they're scared of something or not. Um, We can't just tell them that's not scary because it is. (laughs) It is scary. So that's one thing. And kids need a lot of different amounts of sleep. My um, one of my children needs, and he's 10 now, still needs 11 to 12 hours a night. Uh-huh. That's his natural waking time, and that is a lot of time. Yeah. So he spends all, you know, half of his time asleep, and if he doesn't, you don't want to meet him during the daytime. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have control over his emotions and everything else. Yeah. So 11 to 12 hours is a lot of time, and sometimes adult schedules don't have enough time for that. Um, but that's that's a big trouble. Sometimes we have to go grocery shopping late yeah. in the evening, and we don't have a, a sitter, so the kids come along. But know that you're stealing sleep when you do that, and try to find a way to um, give the kids a wind-down period and um, set them a bedtime. Even when they're getting to that, we're getting into older kids now, but if there's an older kid in your house, say 12, 14, teenager, those kids need so much more sleep than they think they do mm-hmm. and so much more sleep than you think they do. And they've done some studies on these preteen and teenage brains, and they've found that um, one reason there's battles between the teens and the parents is that the teens don't perceive, um, they don't read emotions correctly, so they perceive that the parent is angry at them when the parent is not angry at them. And that that level of perception, thinking, oh, somebody's mad at me, um, which is when the adult isn't mad at all, um, that perception increases when they haven't had enough sleep. So if they get enough sleep, there's a likely to be a lot fewer power struggles. And as we talked about academically, they're able to focus and learn much better. Hey, people, it's time for us to wrap this one up. But, uh, you know, 
get a get a get a nap in between now and the the next episode of Renegade Rules. I think is the advice. Uh, before we wrap up, Heather, what do you think about uh, uh, children in early learning settings and their their special blankies and and stuffed bunnies or whatever it is as as a way to help um, feel comfortable and 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 oh, zonk absolutely. out? I mean, how could you sleep without your blankie? I could not sleep without my blankie. Um, her name is Tasha, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I I had to had to go on a road trip by myself uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and I had a hard time sleeping without without my blankie to snuggle up to. So, um, hey, people, grab your blankie after listening to this episode of Renegade Rules. Uh, take a nice nap. You'll wake up with with solider memories and a refreshed mind and rearing to go for next week's episode, which we hope you tune in for. This has been Renegade Rules. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. And... Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh...